You're listening to the Swap Mono Live podcast show brought to you by our friends at OGO. Hey, welcome to the Swap Moto Live podcast presented by OGO. And I am here with my buddy Shane McElrath of the, uh, what's the team name now? Is it Troy Lee? Troy Lee Designs, Red Bull KTM. Red Bull KTM. Yeah, no more GoPro on there. We, we do have GoPro, four-wheel parts, and Nature's Bakery are yeah. really, really big supporters. So, but the, but the official team name is Troy Lee Designs, Red Bull KTM. Yep. Okay. Yep. Well, hey, you are fresh off a big win. First win of the season, but... To win the triple crown is pretty sweet, right? Yeah, I uh, I got second there last year and mm-hmm. uh, didn't really have very consistent motos. I fell in one, um, but the times were uh, different lengths for the motos. So mm-hmm. I um, I was really happy that we had three consistent motos and uh, and three consistent finishes. I think that really played into it. Um, but yeah, it was a, a long night of racing. It was. A pretty big load but um i feel like we did really well in it and yeah it's uh it's nice to get a win anytime but to mm-hmm. to get it at the triple crown and just to uh have to have the consistent finishes to do that that's that was pretty cool yeah um first two rounds uh i think you said somewhere i think you said on our how was your weekend that you were uh struggling a little bit it was was it a setup thing yeah it's uh I mean, all off season, like we we had a really good boot camp, really good um, bike setup, and uh, everything went really good. And then we show up to the first two races and um, realize that we were quite a bit off just mm-hmm. because of how the track breaks down and uh, the way that the race tracks get. So, mm-hmm. um, so is it that? Is it the track conditions, or is it hard to test at race pace? Um, no, it's more so the track conditions. We, uh, I mean, we had a, a good setup for riding at the test track and, um, just, uh, actually, I guess it could be the race, race, uh, intensity too, because once I got to where I would put, try and push that intensity, it just wouldn't really work and I couldn't Mm -hmm. figure out why. And, uh, so it was actually, now that you say that it was a combination of, Mm -hmm. of everything, but, um, it was nice that we we called it when we did, and we also still ended up with two podiums. Yeah. So, uh, what kind of setup was it? Was it a suspension thing? Yeah. It's. Uh, I mean, we've we've just kind of been. Uh, like I said, the racetracks are quite a bit different than the practice tracks, and the whoops are are different here and there. And um, we just had our our suspension a little too stiff in the front and a little too soft in the rear, just mm. kind of set up for one thing and uh, then we show up at the race and almost kind of need it the opposite a little bit so that's uh that's the direction we've been going and and it just took us till a2 to finally realize like how much we have to go because all day a1 and all day phoenix we were changing the bike all day just getting it a little better a little Mm -hmm. better and um finally we made a pretty big change in between practice and the night show at a2 and when we went out for our hot lap, it was like totally different bike. I'm like, oh, this is nice. Okay, <laughs> let, let's go now. And that yeah. uh, that fired me up pretty good. And then uh, the setup problems probably didn't surface as much in the mud, correct? Correct. Yeah. It uh, it was actually kind of a wash. I uh, I didn't really think much of it. Uh, 
after the race, I was a little frustrated because um, I had the option to uh, do a little change to my suspension, but I decided not to just because of the mud. Mm -hmm. um, but I ended up being a little too stiff for the mud and with kind of one line all the way around the track, I couldn't go anywhere else because I was just sliding all over the place. So um, it uh, that one, I didn't really think much of it. I just saw oh, we're, we're a little too stiff. But mm -hmm. um, then when we got to Phoenix, the, the problems were a little bit louder. And uh, that's when we realized, okay, we, we need to, we need to make some changes. And um, yeah, I mean, it's not, not too big of a deal, but you realize how important it is mm -hmm. uh, to have a good, comfortable setup for when you go racing against those guys that are really fast. Yeah. I think uh, the average person doesn't realize how stiff a supercross bike really is. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I can't believe like, you know, like say you guys are at Milestone and supercross tracks being water and you can go out and bust a few laps on the motocross track. Like, yeah. I don't even know how you can do that. Like, like this, this year at Dan the Dirt, I, I did the team race with Alex, right? Mm -hmm. And he only had supercross suspension. Mm -hmm. Like I pushed on his bike. I couldn't believe he raced the Grand Prix track at Glen Helen with that. But yeah, supercross stuff really is unbelievably stiff. It is, and that's you don't really realize that till you go back to outdoors or mm -hmm. something, and uh, then you're like, dude, is are you sure this stuff is stiff enough? Like when you get on your outdoor bike, <laughs> but. Um, it's pretty crazy. Uh, just this year too, like compared to our setup last year is I've been struggling to set my whole shot button and sometimes it takes two people and I've never had that problem. So, yeah. um, we've actually fixed that now since we've kind of learned about the bike setup and, mm -hmm. uh, kind of went softer with it, but it, uh, it's pretty crazy. Like I'm, I'm no like small guy, but I have to put all my weight into the front mm -hmm. and my mechanic is pulling as pulling hard as down. he can and sometimes we can't get it alone so it's, you gotta uh, get one of those uh quad tie downs with the rats yeah <laughs> yeah no i mean the i'm pretty sure at a1 and phoenix we had help on the starting line at both of those just really? the whoever started beside me after a couple of tries they would just come over and help us yeah so like oh thanks. it's funny to think that it takes that much pressure to lock it and how much pressure does it take to unlock it? Like, are you really like, man, is this thing even going to unlock? Well, that's that's the thing is like doing starts at the practice track. If I baby it, like don't act like I'm going into the first corner, mm -hmm. then I can do seven <laughs> or eight starts and it doesn't come Without undone. Without unclicking. Like I have to make sure it comes undone. But yeah. that won't be the case anymore since we've kind of started So you changing. went softer then? Yeah. Is yeah. it a spring rate or is it valving as well? No, just... just uh, Mainly just clickers is clickers. what we've done, mm -hmm. yeah. We, because um, I mean we're we're at a pretty stiff spring rate anyway. Like I normally run my suspension stiffer than, um, like the other team guys. So, mm -hmm. uh, for me, it it's even uh better for us to just go softer on the clickers just to help free up the forks in the shock. Mm -hmm. What uh, the testing that goes into race bike setup. Is that part of the process that you enjoy? Like, are you one of the guys that's got a good feel for testing? Or like, because I mean, I know there's some racers that have guys testing for them, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I've really kind of took it upon myself um, this last off season to get better at that because I didn't, uh, I didn't really know much about it, but I could, I had a good feel for um, like the bike and what it, what it could do, what it, uh, needed to do. I just didn't really know in terms of 
let's make this change to help this out. It's like I would express what I'm feeling or what needs to be done and then they would just take care mm -hmm. of it. So um, this year I really kind of cracked down and challenged myself to um, learn more about it. And um, now I feel like I'm pretty well-rounded mm -hmm. on the testing side. Um, personally, I think it's kind of silly to have somebody else test for you Yeah. Uh, because every rider's different. I mean, it's, yeah, I just, I don't see how that would really work that well yeah wasn't uh was it just last year or wasn't tickle helping out a little bit with team setup yeah they were uh they were help he was helping us with our new bike all oh. around mm -hmm. um because we uh the 250 side got the 2019 um for this year whereas the 450s got it last year mm -hmm. so um with us spending a lot of time in florida tickle was here um, mm -hmm. while we were there kind of just working with the team to really learn the bike that mm -hmm. was uh that like in florida we didn't have any resources we just pretty much rode and i uh, would relay messages back to our suspension guy and be like hey i think we need to do this and then it'd be a couple days later and we'd have to get something else there and so mm -hmm. it uh wasn't that convenient but um it was nice having him out here just with the team learning the new bike mm -hmm. it, it, being in florida like that it's it's kind of logistically challenging, right? Do they just ship engines out? Because, I mean, the level at which your bikes are built up to, you don't get, like, hours and hours and hours out of them, right? They have to be rebuilt every so often. So is it just practice bike mechanic pulling the engines out and shipping them back and forth? Yeah, pretty much. We, uh, I mean, when we start riding there, we, ha we start on a fresh bike. Mm -hmm. um, and... I think we do motors every practice motors are every 15 hours, I mm -hmm. think. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's probably every, I'd say once a month it gets, the bike gets framed and, mm -hmm. um, redone, but we have, uh, all the parts we need there. We have extra frames. We have, um, just a, a lot of parts that are constantly going there just to make mm -hmm. sure that if we have an issue, it doesn't keep us from riding. It'd yeah. be the same as just here having the box fan. I mean, mm -hmm. we, uh, um, even sometimes from the races, uh, we'll just take like our, our race takeoff parts with us, like on the plane and fly back down there just to help save on shipping costs and mm -hmm. stuff. And, um, I mean like chains and sprockets, especially outdoors, like we'll run through that stuff a couple of week with all, or yeah, a couple, um, every week with all the, the sand we ride in down there. So, yeah. Um, it is pretty tough on the bikes, especially compared to here, just with the, the weather conditions and the dirt. But, um, I mean, that's, that's pretty much our East coast base camp and mm -hmm. we have everything there except for the team to do what we need to do. What is, uh, what's it been like, uh, with that program, like at the Baker factory, big change from being in California. It is, yeah. it's, uh, probably the biggest thing is is just growing the load that your body can handle. I mean, that's, uh, it's really tough mentally to do it. Mm -hmm. And you don't realize how far you can push your body and how much of a load your body can, uh, can take if everything's working together. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that's what I've really learned is like, I was always pretty serious about my rest. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I would say I was serious about my sleeping. Yeah. Um, before going there, I wasn't too serious about my eating. I didn't. I didn't really know much about it. 
Um, but being down there, like you really get good at managing your time because mm -hmm. even when you have time off to be able to continue growing the load you can handle, you really got to rest and you got to stay off your feet. And, um, that's something I never really understood until I got down there and the schedule that I was doing down there was way more than it was here, mainly because of the weather and the training conditions. Mm -hmm. So, um, it was pretty similar schedule, but there it's like just the load it puts on your body, um, by itself with the weather was like a big difference. Mm -hmm. Are you, uh, working with Alden or is, is Tyler, right? Uh, yeah, I work with Tyler. Um, Tyler is in charge of the 250 side. Yeah. But does, um, does he come up with his own program himself or does Alden give no, Tyla, Tyla comes up with the program, mm -hmm. but it's kind of based off of Alden's whole Alden. program. Like, uh, Tyla knows, Tyla's been there, he's done the program, and he knows, like, what we need. And um, now, as a trainer, he knows what our levels should look like at the end of the week. Mm -hmm. So, Alden kind of oversees everything, I guess, but um, I don't really deal with Alden um, I just see him every day, but mm -hmm. I report to Tyler. And there's two tracks, right? Like you, you don't train on the same place that Muskin and Anderson and those guys are at. Well, we like Baker's facility <clears throat> is kind of split up in two parts. Mm -hmm. um, we have the 250 side and we have the 450 okay. side. So Alden has his whole shop um, and they have two supercross tracks and one outdoor track on their side. Mm -hmm. And on our side, we have... Uh, one supercross track and one outdoor track and we have our shop um well it's a big building with like the ktm shop the husky shop like ktm off-road mm -hmm. uh and i think there's like two other bays that um one of them's like a rider like the rider lounge pretty much yeah but, um it's it's almost like it would be two separate facilities but it's like we call it the 250 side and the 450 side mm -hmm. and for outdoors we uh we ride actually for supercross and outdoors we all ride the same track mm -hmm. we'll just kind of take turns like 250 yeah. group goes and 450 group and uh and vice versa but sometimes with supercross if everybody's there we just have so many riders that uh the supercross track would just break down break way down. too much so we'll ride separate tracks yeah um on that day but outdoors we always ride the same track is it uh I mean, it's a really serious professional setup. Like, is it kind of, well, I'd say you're a veteran, so, but it's not intimidating. But I mean, is it, it's like, does it ever get overwhelming? I mean, it's like, it's a lot different than being based out here and just heading up to the test track or Milestone or Elsinore or something. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, I would say it has been overwhelming. Mm -hmm. um, now I'm at the point where I know mentally that I can handle the load. And mm -hmm. that's, that makes a big deal uh, or a big difference when you go to the track every day and you're like, dude, I don't know if I can make it through today. Um, but that's something that you learn to cope with. And mm -hmm. you learn when you do push through that day, oh, okay, I'm just going to go home and rest. And tomorrow I'm going to come out and give it my all again, even though it may be a little off of what you gave the day before. But mm -hmm. um, like all our off-the-bike training levels out with our high intensity riding so it's like mm -hmm. everything is a whole and it's i mean i my i know myself and other people that have trained there it's easy to want to back it off one day like 
dude, I, I can't do what we're supposed to do today. Like I just can't. But mm-hmm. then you get like, like challenged to do it and it, it doesn't really end well, but then you make it through the day and you're like, Oh wow. Okay. Well I was able to do that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so it, it, it has been overwhelming. Um, and I know for some of the younger guys, like I just see what they're going through and try to encourage them because I know what they're going through. It's like, dude, you're almost there. Like just keep going. Yeah. You can handle it. And, uh, it's, uh, I'm at the point now where it's, it's kind of enjoyable. Um, and each day I can, I can almost kind of maximize that whole day because I can handle the load now. So it's, uh, it's pretty nice. The, the, the schedule that you guys keep up so intense and you say the rest is so important. I mean, is there any time for personal life or personal fun? Um, it's kind of a sacrifice. I mean, there's, uh, like now I know, um, on certain days, yes, I can have that. But other days it's like, no, I, I need to rest today, um, to be ready for tomorrow. Um, like Tuesdays and Fridays are, are, uh, are pretty big days. Mm -hmm. But if, uh, if people want to do something or Joy's like, Hey, let's go do this. Say on Monday, I'm like, no, we, like I need to rest today. Like, let's do that tomorrow after riding mm-hmm. and I'll be tired, but I don't have to worry about Wednesday coming around and having to be like, Oh, I got to do this again. So, yeah. um, it's really, uh, just kind of a learning thing, uh, a responsibility thing, I guess that mm-hmm. you, uh, you kind of have to pick and choose and, um, it's, it's tough because you do want to go and do things and like, Hey, let's, let's hang out. Let's go to Disneyland or whatever. But Mm -hmm. since we've lived there now for, I've been there for almost two years and I still haven't been to Disneyland. Just a lot of walking. (laughs) It it is. And, um, especially there, like during the summer, I'm telling you the heat is bad. Like you don't want to go outside. And especially after like, a day of two thirty fives, you're mm-hmm. like, dude, I don't want to see the sun anymore. And it's, uh, it's definitely tough. And it's, it's kind of, it comes with the sport. I mean, you, you kind of got to make sacrifices and, um, joy understands that. And I, I try my best to, um, tend to her and like go and do things. We just kind of have to be careful, um, with when we want to do those things. Yeah. Um, how long are you in California for? Are you through Supercross or just through the early West Coast rounds? Just through the early West Coast rounds. Is it kind of a nice break to be out here? It is. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I would say it works different skills. Mm-hmm. Um, like out here, it's more, uh, I wouldn't say easier, but I would say it's, it's, uh, easier to work on like, raw speed maybe or just uh like intensity Mm -hmm. like in florida it's it's uh just with the way the track is like there it's just kind of fitness like you're building fitness the whole Mm -hmm. time like the tracks are physical so it's never really that like high intensity there but then coming out here where the test tracks are really fast and they don't really change so you can push the limits a little bit Mm -hmm. um i'd say that's where out here is more beneficial but um, each has its advantages and it's, uh, it's nice to just get a break, um, mm-hmm. from one or the other. I mean, we, uh, we're staying with our in-laws here, 
um, in California, which we don't have a place here anymore, but it's nice to be here with family. And mm-hmm. um, then when we go back to Florida, we have a few friends that we hang out with there and um, really just kind of uh, we have like our groups here and there and um, each is good in its time. Mm-hmm. What uh, what did you buy a house in Florida then? You sold your house yep. that was out here then? Uh, we just rented a house here. The um, one that I, I yeah, came to before? Yeah. Okay. And uh, we did end up buying a house in Florida. Mm-hmm. Is, uh, it's, it's pretty affordable there um, compared to California? Say I, had a, I, I would say I didn't have as hard of a time with that as I did with thinking about buying a place here. Uh-huh. Um, it's uh, really kind of everything there, like just the food, the gas, the cost of living is a lot more enjoyable. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the traffic here um, <laughs> plays into really everything that you do. And uh, there, I mean, growing up in North Carolina, it just feels a lot more like home. Like mm-hmm. the pace of everything is a lot slower. The, the trees, the grass, like the people. I think there's more of a, a single culture there, I guess. Whereas here, it's kind of just a free-for-all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've lived here for about seven years now. So I, I have um, everything built up here too. So it, like I said, each is good and it's in its time, but it's uh, it's probably going to be a while before we do buy a place here. Yeah. So are you in Claremont then? Uh, we're just east of Claremont. Mm-hmm. It's We say Claremont, but we're actually in like Oakland, yeah. Winter Garden area. So, I mean, even aside from all the guys at the Baker's factory, I mean, you got like, you know, Roxon's out there in the summer and Sealy and Craig. I mean, is it kind of like, uh, it's like the new Corona, right? You just, you're driving around and you see everybody. It is. Guys like, race against. Well, today I went out to uh, Dr. G's office and we just went to lunch and I think that's Costa Mesa mm-hmm. area, something there. And we seen Paige and Christian there um, and their kids. But uh, like you go out to dinner in Claremont and, I mean, you got a good chance at seeing another one of the riders there. So yeah. it's uh, it's pretty cool because it it's not like a lot has changed um, mm-hmm. other than just the, the place we're at. So um, it's cool to have people there that we can hang out with. Hey, let's let's go do something. You and your family want to go or whatever. And uh, so it is growing quite a bit there. Yeah, I just it's so humid there, dude. I it can't is. hang I cannot hang in that. It is. The, the thing about that is like, <clears throat> and then I've spent time at Ricky's place mm-hmm. and there's like so many bugs. <laughs> yeah. It's a, you don't realize it until you're actually there. Um, and I know like Kenny and Dean and uh, Marv live like right off the water mm-hmm. and there it's pretty bad. Yeah. But, we, I, I shot photos of Kenny on his pier once. Mm. Dude, I got so bit up. Like, yeah. It was bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, what's uh, what's has the dynamic on the the Troy team changed since you've been there, or has it always been the same? Um, I would say it's uh, it's changed a little bit um, for the better. I mean, uh, before it was uh, just uh, it was the Troy Designs Lucas Oil Honda team, mm-hmm. and Troy just loved racing. <laughs> like, man, they were just. Troy was just pumped to have a race team. Like that was that was kind of why he started the team was because he loved to race and uh, and TK 
I took over the team manager role after Ping, and mm-hmm. um, I wasn't there when Ping was there, but uh, TK seemed really professional, seemed like he always um, knew what he was doing, and then uh, then we got the offer from KTM, and it wasn't that everything changed. It was like we went from a team that uh, started out for fun, and then we reached that okay, now you're the factory KTM lights team. And yeah. uh, it was kind of a, a little bit of an attitude change. Like, okay, like we got to take this serious. Like it's not mm-hmm. it's not something we just go to the races, hang out and race and then go home. It's like we yeah. need to, to start growing here. And um, KTM has held us accountable pretty good. And uh, TK has done a really good job at um, kind of – I guess you could call it constructive criticism. Like he, I think he does a really good job uh, at his job. Like a lot of people don't like him, but um, I've learned from firsthand experience when you do your job, everything works smoothly. But when you don't, that's when uh, you see the the uh, employer side of mm-hmm. TK. And it's uh, it's been a big. Um, this is my seventh year on the team, mm-hmm. and it's been a big journey. I mean, it's been a lot of fun and. Uh, I mean, we've kind of seen some mechanics that have come and gone, but everybody's been a, a really good fit and it's been a lot of fun just being on that team. And I keep saying it every year that I think TK gets the team manager of the year award, but, mm-hmm. um, I always get voted out because I guess it's the team that wins the most, but in, <laughs> my, in my opinion, TK has gotten out every year. Yeah. How much does he bust out the uh, when I was racing? Does he ever say that? No, he no. he doesn't really. I mean, he uh, he like I know stories of other racers that have moved on to team manager, and um, TK is not anywhere near that. Like he's not a a guy who expects like uh, I guess a certain attention because oh i used to race like mm-hmm. tk is the team manager and he doesn't care about anything outside of that like yeah, yeah he used to race and he was he was decent like mm-hmm. he raced some supercross but um other team managers that have that have been at the top of the game i can tell by their attitude that it's not really for the team it's for them and uh tk's done a really good job at doing everything he can to to build the team yeah no i've man i've known tyler since he was uh just getting on big bikes or maybe mm. he's still on mini bikes because uh, i work for dirt rider yeah and he was one of our test riders uh, so. he, he has used that story a few times like uh not in any like form i guess he just told the story like dude we used to do like uh whatever it was called endurance testing or something Mm -hmm. he said he said he did that with the motorcycles with like jet skis um, (laughs) but nothing nothing ever to really like talk himself up yeah no he's he's cool we all we have this funny uh inside joke we call each other my old boss ken fought you know ken he owns uh pole position raceway the go-kart place i don't know if i've met him okay well he was my boss at dirt rider Mm -hmm. and i always I always call TK like, "Hey Ken Fott," he'll call oh, me yeah. Ken Fott. Okay. Yeah. I don't even know where that came from, yeah. but that's our little joke. But uh, so he's based in California, though, right? Yeah. And you guys are in Florida most of the time. Yeah. Is he calling you guys and 
checking in quite a bit quite a yeah. bit um it's uh tk loves being at the track like that's i feel like that's where he's really uh good is he is um an ex-rider and yeah. so he kind of knows what to look for mm-hmm. um and he has that kind of uh the critique of our style or critique of going around the track whereas other people don't see that yeah because i mean a lot of the mechanics have never raced a lot of uh the trainers have ridden or raced but um like it it, whatever the reason may be but tk is like i said with being on the team for seven years now tk knows me like Mm -hmm. knows Mm -hmm. when i'm comfortable knows what i should look like and um so it's nice having him there because I'll I'll feel off one day and I'll just be like, dude, I just don't feel that good. But he'll be like, I see the the bike's doing this here. Mm-hmm. Or if it's not the bike and it's just me, then he'll be like, dude, why are you riding like that? Why are you <laughs> uh why why are you being lazy there or whatever? So it's uh he's really good at at fixing things. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's what he does really good at is yeah, he, he manages the team. He's in the office a lot doing uh, what team managers do, but he's also at the track pretty much every day when we're here in California. Mm-hmm. So when we're in Florida, he's he's calling a lot. He's asking for lap times and uh, lip pro data and mm-hmm. this and that. So he's always monitoring us. Yeah. I, something, something just popped in my head. Do you know that right before he got the team manager position, like for maybe like two months, he had like, he he was one of my test riders at Transworld. He was like, uh, I don't know if I knew that. Well, that I, it was so brief I forgot too. But he <laughs> he had been like, hey, I want to I want to start testing with you. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, yeah, yeah. And we used him for a test or two. And then next thing I know, he got hired as a team manager. Dang. So. Yeah, I, I don't know if he told me that or not. Ask him the story about Black Barbie. Okay, we'll let him tell you that story. Black though. Barbie. All right. <laughs> what's uh, what's it like uh, riding for Troy? Like, I mean, he's kind of an eclectic, eccentric guy. He, he is. And honestly, I think that's uh, why he's a really good team owner and mm-hmm. sometimes not a good team manager. Is because <laughs> Troy, like I said, Troy started the team because he loves racing. Mm-hmm. He, he's one of the most passionate people I've met um, for racing and loves art, loves to design things. I mean, um, I don't really know that... I've seen him at a time where he's not trying to better something. Like he's always putting his own touch on things. And mm-hmm. uh, so it's it's pretty crazy. Like when he's at the races, he's a fan. Like mm-hmm. he's just, he's the team owner, but he's just coming in like, hey, I'm, I'm going to get out of y'all's way. I'm going to, uh, <laughs> can I do anything for you? Like, um, but then like we come back after the race and we get on the podium or we win and he's just, the biggest fan like yelling voice is gone just yeah oh my gosh dude i you so good oh my gosh <laughs> and uh it's it's pretty cool to see him just he's been doing this for so long but he's so passionate about yeah. everything that goes into it like it's it's pretty crazy to see yeah and he has so much fun with it you know he like, does like yeah. it, like think back to the straight straight rhythm a few months mm-hmm. ago right like the gear that you guys had and the dingle balls or, yeah. or whatever you want to call them. Yeah. And even the uh, 
like the advertising collateral that went along mm-hmm. with it. They, you know, you got yeah. painted up like a skull and all yeah. that. Like talk about that a little bit. That was pretty cool. Yeah. We, uh, well, Troy wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I kind of offered joy to, uh, like Jesse and Troy to do that. Mm-hmm. And Joy's like, no, heck no. Like I'm, I don't think I can do that. But I, I kind of threw her out there anyway. And, mm-hmm. and so she painted our faces like Jordan and I's face for yeah. those, uh, those photos. And Troy was actually wanting to do that on race day, but TK was like, <laughs> no, Troy, like that, that's too far. Cause, uh, I mean, Troy just wanted to go all the way with it. Yeah. And, he uh, wanted you to race. With- he, he wanted to, he wanted to paint our faces for race day. And, uh, there were a couple of people that shut that down because it, it just wouldn't have, wouldn't have lasted. I mean, as yeah. everybody knows. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, that's, that's who Troy is. It's like, if, if he's going to do something, he's going to do everything he can to make it the best that he can. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But hey, did you could you feel those uh, tassel things on your helmet when you were riding? No, no. They uh, that's probably been my favorite helmet that I've ever <laughs> raced with, just because of uh, those dingle doos and the fin. I told yeah. I told Troy and TK, I was like, dude, I'll run the fin all year. Like, <laughs> I I kind of wanted to. I raced with them when I was younger. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I just thought it was so sweet. Like McGrath used to run them and. Uh, I never had one with the flashing light in it, but yeah. dude, I just thought they looked so cool. Dude, remember when McGrath had the one, the two on the bottom look like taillights of a old Cadillac? Yeah, it's it's one of the helmets that's in the shop, hmm. but it was painted to look like old Cadillac. The helmet yeah. was, but yeah, Man. the fins. It's crazy to think about all the the influence Troy's had on the trends in motocross, yeah. right? Like the like the fin he created the fin, and like mm-hmm. everyone had to have that, and then. He stuck the American flag on Jeremy's helmet once. And yeah. how many guys did you see at the track with the American yeah. flag on their helmet? Yeah, it's uh, oh, because Troy has like a Laguna store um, mm-hmm. for mountain biking and just casual clothes and stuff. And some of the memorabilia that's in there. Um, I mean, like I grew up watching Jeremy McGrath. Like mm-hmm. I, I remember we had like the bar to bar 99 VHS. And uh, when we would drive to the races, I would just watch that on repeat. And Jeremy McGrath was like the guy. Mm-hmm. And to see, I mean, I would go to the races and all these kids had these like fins with the flashing lights on their helmet. And I was like, dude, I want one of those so bad. And they, they were probably like 25 bucks. Yeah. But they were too expensive for us to buy. Yeah. And just, I mean, now being with Troy and knowing the logo, it's like, I've seen that logo since I started racing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's no telling how many times I've seen it all over the country and mm-hmm. in different countries. And now to just see like in their headquarters in Corona, like they've got F1 cars, they've got all these different kind of motorcycles, they, uh, MotoGP suits. I mean, any kind of motorsports uh, on the planet, like Troy's been a part of mm-hmm. and has done something custom for some of those guys and yeah. it's just it's crazy to think about that you know what's crazy was when you painted the football helmets for notre dame yeah that was yeah sick. yeah not even i mean i remember when uh emerson was working there and i would go in and hang out with him a lot and mm-hmm. uh he told me about that and i mean i'm not that big into football so i didn't mm-hmm. i was like oh you guys you guys paint nascar pit helmets you paint like the IndyCar stuff, and now you got football. Like that's, 
I mean, that's pretty cool, I guess. But then how how big that really was, it's yeah. like, oh my gosh. Like, I just, I'm out of the loop on some of that. But it's like huge. Yeah. Like really big. Yeah. And so uh, your team owner is, is also a apparel company, right? So like you guys are the showcase for his premier product, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's funny because I've stopped by and I've talked to Casella or something and you really see they have a plan like so far ahead of what you're going to wear, when it's going to drop for sale and this and that. And it's like, I think because your team is also the apparel brand, mm-hmm. that's how it works, right? Like, yeah. like I, I don't think that, uh, you know, other teams would work that way, but like... <laughs> Are we pumped on the polka dots? <laughs> Honestly, like they they didn't really go with much, and I took a lot of flack for them. But uh-huh. I mean, who who wears purple polka dots? Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I to me, I don't really care. I mean, I'm, I mean, do you ever like see the plan and go, man, do I have to wear that, or is it? Are you just like, I'll wear whatever? I do, um, and I'm like, dude, I can't wait for this. But then there's also some that I'm like. Do we really gotta wear that stuff? Like, I I mean sometimes like the helmet and the boots just completely are like don't match, mm-hmm. and uh, I just I like to kind of tie everything in. Like I don't really have to match my bike, mm-hmm. but if I can kind of tie in like from my helmet to my boots like all together, then I'm I'm okay with it. But uh, there there were a lot of people that weren't very hap- happy with the polka dots, <laughs> but. Um, I mean, the orange, the orange and black polka dots were, uh, I mean, you could get away with those, but the purple ones, I mean, they were definitely... Isn't it purple and pink, or is it purple and orange? It was purple and, like, gray. Oh, and, oh yeah, 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 yeah. And, I mean, me, personally, I don't, I don't really care. I think when when you ride good and you look good, then it doesn't matter what you wear, but it's, uh, it's definitely a fine line there of, mm-hmm. okay, that doesn't go with anything, or... Okay, I, I could get used to that. Yeah. But just like growing up, um, I mean, there would be like a few people at local races in TLD stuff. And mm-hmm. then um, when I came out here to California for the first time and seeing one, how many people rode motorcycles out here, but two, like you see TLD everywhere out here. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, okay, now I, I kind of see how they make their money. Mm-hmm. But um, it's been uh, two years ago or something. I heard some numbers uh, in TLD, but it wasn't up until like two years ago where uh, I think their mountain bike stuff was bigger than their moto stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, to me, I, that was just crazy. But it's also one of those things where I'm not really into mountain biking mm-hmm. too, so I don't know how big it is. But If you went to... Snow Summit to ride the downhill park. Yeah, you would just freak out. Like really? everybody's in Troy Lee up hmm. there. I mean, he's really done a great job of saturating that market. Yeah, yeah. I I just <clears throat> am kind of clueless to a lot of it, but yeah. I've just never known it. Like I never. Um, well, mountain biking on the East Coast is, yeah. Go go hit a little local park. Like, mm-hmm. and then you come out here, and the first time I went mountain biking. I went with some of the guys from TLD and it's like, sure, yeah, I've gone mountain biking. And that was actually my first day riding on clips on a mm-hmm. mountain bike. I crashed in the parking lot. Um, <laughs> and then we go and 
we were in Santa Monica mm-hmm. and just got done with a lot of climbing. I'm like already dying. And we just, they're like, follow me. So we just drop in this trail and dude, I thought I was going to die. I never <laughs> went down anything that steep and didn't know what to do. Nobody told me. Well, it just was total foreign mountain biking. Yeah. And after that, it's like, okay, I got a lot more respect for this now. <laughs> well, you've been down up Skyline and down the Troy Lee Trail, right? Yeah. Isn't it crazy that he's got a trail named out? I mean, it's it's called the Troy Lee Trail on maps. Yeah. Oh, really? I've asked him, like, how did, how did you... How'd your name get on that for real, you know? Dang. That, with Troy, there's no telling what all's out there. I mean, he, I forget the name of the country, but just like three weeks ago, he flew somewhere to paint some guy's like rare race car, like one in four in the world. But he was telling me about it and showing me pictures. And he was like, dude, this guy just called me up and wanted me to come paint his car. And I was like, are you sure? Like, it's going to be like really expensive. And the dude was like, yeah, I don't care. I just, I want it, I want it painted. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'll be right there. Yeah. And he just out and did it in like three days. He took one of his artists with him and they knocked wow. it out. Was so, it Dubai or something? No, it's some, I forget the name of it. It, it was some little, little country, yeah. but this dude had like a really rare race car and yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. The closest to that I had was uh I had one of those uh, Mazda trucks with the Troy flames on it. <laughs> oh, yeah. My, uh, um, <clears throat> growing up, uh, it's been years ago, but my sister had a boyfriend who had one of those. Yeah. And I used to think that was so, I thought it was like a motocross truck. Yeah. And I thought it was so cool. It was cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, how much uh, influence do you guys on the race team have on the uh, functionality of the riding gear and stuff? Um, in terms of like the design, like the, no, like not the aesthetics, but like the cut and the materials and stuff. Like um, that. we have a lot of influence on it. Um, we, uh, I mean, it's a couple times a year they approach us with a new pant or a mm-hmm. new jersey or new helmet. Um, like, hey, try this on. How does it fit? Or their old gear. I mean, uh, whenever we start in it, like, where can this be better? Um, they take pictures, measure it out, and then for their next pant, um, if it's not too far off, they'll they'll wait to their next pant to do the changes. But mm-hmm. if it's like a big change, then um, or I mean, a lot of us are odd sizes and stuff. So mm-hmm. if it's that big of a deal, they'll just make us custom pants yeah. and sell sell the production ones. But um, it's a it's a pretty big deal. Like it, you don't realize. I mean, that that's what they want to do is they want to make their brand better mm-hmm. and whatever product it is. I mean, um, just like one helmet comes out and they've already been working on the next one for a year before that. And yeah. same with the pants, like just seeing how far ahead they plan. It's like stuff you don't really think about mm-hmm. until you mm-hmm. see it and you're like, wow, well, you can't really sleep on it because then you'll you'll stop real quick and then be behind so there's a there's a lot that goes into it yeah i think that troy lee gear in general has made huge strides recently mm-hmm. i think the new se pro line that's probably what you guys are racing in right yeah like god it's fits so much better like the, i remember you know a few years ago the the knees were all gigantic on their mm-hmm. pants and there but everything's more athletic now and yeah streamlined and stretchy most of all right 
Yeah, and that's uh for me like I didn't realize that for a couple of years. Like I just I would pretty much just get um like whatever size I wear in casual clothes. Mm-hmm. And just if they were a little big, I'd just cinch the strap down and I mean now I wear a medium jersey, but the last, since I've been on the team I've worn a large. Yeah. And I just never thought anything about it because I wear a large t shirt. But yeah. now I should have went to a medium jersey a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And same with my pants. Like at first I uh I wore like size thirty two because that that was uh what size like casual pants mm-hmm. I wore. Um mainly because thirties were tied around my thighs. So yeah. I would wear them bigger in the waist. Well, um my butt would get so raw because they were so baggy mm-hmm. and I just never understood why it's like well i mean I don't, I don't know and finally they were like hey you want to try 30 just to try it mm-hmm. it's like sure and i was like dude you got to be kidding me <laughs> same with the jersey like i just um i'm like dude i don't have like all these extra like length in my arms it's not i don't feel it flapping anymore but it's mm-hmm. just one of those things that you don't really think about but those guys are are there for whatever mm-hmm. yeah you know, I remember like Shorty used to always like wear his pants extra tight and pull them mm-hmm. up real high because he said just that little bit of slip off the line, yeah, could hurt him. So mm-hmm. he's he's like pull them up real real yeah. high on the, before he went to the starting line and crank mm-hmm. the strap down. I mean, yeah. is there something to be said for that? Uh, yeah. I mean, I remember <clears throat> when I was younger, I went to MTF mm-hmm. and uh, I was on like super mini, so I was I was probably fourteen or fifteen and. Um, when they were teaching us starts there, that was kind of, maybe it was Gary Bailey. I think it was Gary Bailey. I did a a few of his schools when I was on Mm -hmm. 65s and, uh, he always told us like, once you get set up, like pull all the slack out of your pants, like pull it forward so that when you go, like there's, there's no give. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really understand it at the time, but as I got like older, I kind of found myself doing that and Mm -hmm. then it made sense, but it's just one of those things that, um, I mean, one person does it and then you're like, why do you do that? And then, but it's something you've never even thought about. Yeah. Ogeo has been around for three decades, but it was in 2001 that the brand forever changed the way we think about gear bags. With never seen before features like specific storage compartments for your boots, helmets, gear, and more, the OGO 9800 is the most popular gear bag in motocross. Visit ogeopowersports.com. For over six decades, Scott Motorsports has pushed the limits of innovation, providing our customers with the most advanced technology available. Scott is honored to be the exclusive eyewear sponsor of the SWAT Moto Live podcast. Athletes such as Chad Reed, Justin Barja, and myself, Adam Cientrillo, require the best performance, which is why we choose the Scott Prospect Goggle. Recognized as the number one goggle in racing, Scott is proud to be made in the USA. Check out scott-sports.com to see their complete line of high-performance goggles. Hey, what's up, guys? Malcolm Stewart. This offseason, I've been training harder than ever getting ready for 2019, and I've been using Rhino Power supplements before, during, and after my training and has made a big difference, especially the motivation pills. Use SWAT Moto as your discount code at checkout for 10% off your purchase, plus free shipping on rhinopower.com. Hey guys, Hunter Lawrence here. 
Lately I've been spending a whole lot of time at the mountain bike trails and the local area on my intense primer and the thing's badass. For how good it is going up the hill, it's uh, amazing coming down the hill. It's uh, comfortable, nimble and it doesn't feel uh, like you're going to go over the bars every five seconds. Uh, all their bikes in their lineup are awesome. So yeah, you're ready to get serious about training on a cross country bike or crushing lap times at your local trails or if you want to go a bit further longer and faster they they just brought out a new taser e-bike which is uh, yeah everyone's given the double thumbs up on so head down to your local intense dealer or, or purchase uh, directly at intensecycles.com check it out guys hi uh i'm mitch payton from monster energy pro circuit kawasaki team and uh just want to give a shout out to the throttle syndicate um it's a new name but it's the same company that's been around for uh 30 years. We've been with them since the very beginning in 1991 and they're a big part of why our bikes always look the way they do. We're really proud to have them involved and hopefully they have a good year. Visit ThrottleSyndicate.com to view the full range of customizable graphic kits, gripper seat covers, sticker kits and more. Use promo code SWATMODELLIVE at checkout for a 20% discount off your order. What's up? This is Christian Craig. As a motocross racer, being in top physical shape is a must, and my favorite way to train is cycling. And whether it's road biking or mountain biking, I rely on Roy Cyclery to keep my bikes in perfect running order. Roy Cyclery has been servicing Old Town Upland, California since 1962. Mention the Swap Moto Life podcast for additional discounts in the shop. Do you, uh, do you have a gear superstition or a trademark? Like, you know, Sealy always wore yellow gloves for a while. Yeah. Or do you have anything like that? No, I don't. I uh, honestly, I don't really care. Mm -hmm. um, but like with my wrist brace, it's I like running it bright yellow, mm -hmm. um, mainly because uh, Jeff Brewer from mm -hmm. All Sport he he reached out to me as soon as I broke my wrist and uh, made those custom braces for me. And so that's like he asked me, like, dude, you want to do a different color this time? I'm like, no. Like I like for it to stand out because yeah. he's helped me out. So. Yeah. Um, that's kind of the reason why I wear yellow gloves is so that you can kind of see it um, mm -hmm. and they match my wrist brace just for advertisement for him. But um, superstitions, I, I don't really have any. No left boot first? Nah. Really? Nothing? No, okay. I, I've never really thought about it. Like I just, I know what I'm supposed to do and sometimes you, you fall down, sometimes you don't. And I don't think it's a... <laughs> A problem of whether you put your left boot on first or not yeah yeah but hey that uh jeff brewer he's a good guy yeah i mean he is. and he's like the guy that you just really need when you're hurt but i mean mm -hmm. he's always there for you yeah like do you do your uh brace is it sewn into that little pocket on the glove uh i do yeah i have that pouch yeah that are sewn to my gloves uh -huh. yeah 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 that's yeah. cool um what uh what do you do when you're not racing? I mean, I know we talked about no time in Florida, but I mean, when we did that cover story before. Mm -hmm. I remember you were a big tinkerer. You yeah. know, you're making stuff. You're making your own speaker boxes for your van and stuff. Mm -hmm. Is that still your hobby now that you're in Florida? It is. And it's really hard to tell myself to rest because, like you said, I do love being in the garage and mm -hmm. I do love to... I mean, working around the house since we just uh, bought that house in Florida, um, like Joy's been wanting 
this done here. And, I mean, it's a new house, but she wants it how she wants it, like yeah. to, to match her style. And, and I, I love doing that stuff. I think it's a lot of fun, but it's one of those things where it's like, hey, can you can you do this or something? And I'm like, I, I really don't think I can today. Like, I, I need to sit here <laughs> on the couch or... Yeah. Like, that's kind of my excuse for video games is mm-hmm. like, I, I would much rather be in the garage playing, but it's like, I'm, I'm the type of person where I need my mind going when I'm awake. Yeah. And so video games is a way for me to like rest, but I'm occupied. Yeah. And if, if it's not video games, like I'll watch YouTube on how to build something or <laughs> whatever it is. Like that's, uh, that's kind of what I resort to. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you have carpentry skills. Mm-hmm. I know you do some electrician stuff, right? A little bit, yeah. And then I know I've seen you soldering stuff before, but yeah. how about like metalwork and welding and stuff? Can you do that? Um, yeah, I uh, I took uh, like a metals class in high school mm-hmm. and um, learned how to use like a, a lathe and a CNC machine and stuff. And um, I also took welding, uh, mm-hmm. just stick welding. Um, I have I had a little welder, uh, but. I gave it to my in-laws before we moved uh-huh. because I wanted to get a better one so that I could make more stuff. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that's something I haven't, um, I guess, progressed, mainly because I haven't had the tools or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's something I'm definitely interested in. And I watch a lot of YouTube videos about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just haven't went out and bought a, a welder yet. Yeah. Um, what What's the gnarliest thing that you have built? Or what, what's, what's something that you're the most proud of? Uh, I'd probably say uh, in our our old house, we had a, uh, we had like a movie room. Mm-hmm. But I built like a, like a platform in it. And like we bought the couches and stuff, but I had like theater seating. Mm-hmm. But I had to build the platform and the stairs and uh, everything to elevate the back row of couches to overlook the front one and i I actually had some big plans for like a whole surround sound system and Mm -hmm. uh like full tv stand and everything in that room but i just never got around to it but yeah do you still have that van no no uh, what what (laughs) what did it say on the side of that van it was bombay bombay grill Yeah. And it never quite came off, right? The Bombay, yeah. I guess it might have just needed a, a good wax job. Yeah. But um, I remember seeing that the first day I got it. And I remember seeing it the day I let it go. So um, that's kind of the nickname it, it took on is everybody's like, Moody, why does your van say Bombay Grill? <laughs> Honestly, I don't know. Like I was uh, cleaning out the... When I was building my system, I was yeah. taking off the center console. Both menus in there and stuff. I was building, uh, I was building like a center console, and yeah. I found a little like maybe it was like an insurance card or something um, from like years ago, but it had like this couple's name on it. But they, uh, the people that we got it from, they did like office cleaning. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if it was like Bombay before that, or if they also did Bombay grill or what, but, um, yeah, I, I don't really know the story of that, but <laughs> that's kind of the nickname that it took on. Nice. So you just, uh, you just signed with Toyota Vescondido. Mm-hmm. Is it sometimes like 
is it kind of surreal to think about like your background and where you came from and like the Bombay grill van and stuff like now you are getting a brand new tricked out truck with your name on the side you know just so you say their name on the podium and, and represent honestly it's it's pretty crazy to think about still like I've, I've never had a truck so it's like really I, i've always loved the van like dude ah. just well i've never even had a new van at that like uh -huh. i mean i i don't really need much and honestly i always preferred the van because it was secure and mm -hmm. uh and closed in but um it honestly the toyota vescondido thing was a, a answer to my prayers we uh we don't have a vehicle out here really and mm -hmm. it's my wife and i and so um it really came at the perfect time and uh i mean it wasn't really what we had in mind i had been on tk like about like helping me find um something for a vehicle or something mm -hmm. and uh i was kind of to the point where i was asking tk like hey help help me type up something like a little resume i guess because i i'm just going to start going to dealerships and mm -hmm. and asking if uh if you guys would want to help us out mm -hmm. um and tk tk kind of i wouldn't say pushing it off pushing it away but he would like try something it wouldn't work out and then it would just kind of go quiet for a little bit and but this week i was like dude we we really need something so he was like all right let me let me uh reach out to a few people and um so he reached out and something that we had in mind uh was kind of looking pretty good and then uh tk called me like right maybe an hour after he sent me a text mm -hmm. and uh so he was like i just had a really good conversation on the phone i was like you did i was like what was or uh i was like what is about was it about what we've been talking about and he's like, what's that? And I was like, like vehicles. Yeah. He said, yeah. And so I was like waiting to hear from this other company. And then he was like, uh, so I just got off the phone with uh, Damien from Toyota Escondido. Yeah. And um, they had a truck open up. And um, I just thought it was like a more so like going to meet the guys like to see if we could do something mm -hmm. um and they were like they want to meet with us tomorrow and so we'll go down there and um so i was like okay like sweet well uh we were picking up my mom mm -hmm. uh so this was on a wednesday i think it was well the thursday which is the next day we were going down to San Diego to pick up my mom and my grandma for Anaheim one. Mm -hmm. And we stopped by there on the way. And, uh, it was just like clicked right away. And they're like, so this is pretty much like, this is what you do. This is mm -hmm. what, what do you want? And I'm like, it's pretty crazy when they go, what do you want on it? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, dude, honestly, I don't know. Like they asked me like, well, do you want a truck? Do you want a forerunner? Do you, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> and uh, then they were like, well, we can't, we can't get you what you want tonight, but let's, let's put him in a truck for the weekend. Mm -hmm. And so I left there in like 20 minutes in a truck to go down and pick my mom and mama up. And uh, I just like, what are we doing? Like <laughs> I just, in a day I have a new truck now. Yeah. And then 
they actually sold that one while I was driving it. So Dan <laughs> called me. He's like, hey. We're going to get that so truck back. We're kind of having an issue. And he's like, it doesn't happen often, but we sold that truck. So we got we to gotta get back. So then they just put me in a Tacoma for the next weekend mm-hmm. um, while we were waiting on some contract stuff. And uh, then after Phoenix, they called me and said that your truck's ready. Come get it. I was just like, dude. That's the best call in the world, isn't it? It was, it's still crazy. <laughs> yeah. I, I was down there, I think, getting an oil change, and I saw your truck. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hey. You know, because yeah. they're so heavily tied in with the star racing team. Yeah. I'm like, oh, you're branching out. And and Damien's all, McElrath, podiums every week. Yeah. And then I think then the next weekend you won mm-hmm. Anaheim, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, Damien. He's texting me every weekend, like, dude, just go. Go have fun. Go do what you do, and mm-hmm. um, just the relationship that we built over the course of two weeks. And I knew Dan beforehand, but not not really that well. I just kind of knew him through Panikrev, and mm-hmm. uh, but now it's like it was like the friendship that was building for so long is now like unveiled, and it's like there, mm-hmm. and it's like, dude, this is really cool. Cool. So did you get to pick your truck? So it's the cement color, right? I did, yeah. Jealous. Um, but. I I picked the cement tundra and uh, picked the bronze method wheels. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do some stuff with four wheel parts too. Um, they're mm-hmm. going to do... Yeah, because uh, that's a team sponsor. Yep. They're going to do uh, like some accessories and stuff, some lights, mm-hmm. maybe some bumpers. Um, I know Bill Stein is... Yeah, you got some special shocks. Yeah, I think they, uh, because I'm getting like a uh, bed cover, Mm -hmm. like the tonneau cover, um, so that I can keep my stuff in there. Because that's really like being here at my in-laws. It's, uh, I just don't like to keep my smelly gear in the garage. (laughs) So that's to help me uh, put my stuff in my truck, and um, it's it's gonna be pretty slick. Yeah, are you gonna leave it here, or are you gonna drive it back to Florida? It'll stay here. Yeah. It'll stay here. Yeah. We're, uh, we don't really know what we're going to do with it yet. If that's, uh, kind of putting it up mm-hmm. um, on display somewhere or whatever. But they said they, uh, they just kind of want it to get attention, <coughs> um, regardless of where it's at. So, yeah. Yeah. Maybe Jeff, Jeff Jetton's going to drive it around. You, you never know. <laughs> Father-in-law. You may, you may see it in the streets or out in the desert or where, wherever. <laughs> nice. Pretty funny for me to walk in here, you know, you're staying at your in-laws' house, and it's like, oh, hey, Jeff, like yeah. the guy that I grew up racing with. Yeah, no, I I didn't know that until you guys were just talking, and um, I mean, maybe you had met somewhere, but I didn't know that you raced like, yeah. together and knew oh, yeah. each other. Yeah, for sure. Pretty he used good. to have long hair. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Crazy guy. Yeah. Um. Uh. This weekend is is Oakland. Mm-hmm. And and then uh, San Diego, and then there's a little. Is there a little break? Or yes. it, yeah. Uh, I want to say it's like four four or five weeks. It's it's a lot shorter than normal mm-hmm. um, because of they changed the East West Shootout to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, there's it's either like one or two weeks shorter of a break this yeah. year. Yeah. As a West Coast guy, you've always raced West Coast, correct? Mm-hmm. Like, is that break? nice or is it kind of like uh like i mean if you're leading the title or or contending for it it's got to be kind of nerve-wracking to take that break you want to just finish up right Um, or is it good to get a break and start doing outdoor testing 
I, I think a little bit of both. Um, I haven't really had the points lead uh, going up into the break. And I, honestly, I think it would be um, nice to have it because it's almost like a, a restart, like a refresh. Because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, there's, there's a lot goes on during the week um, in season. And then to get to kind of maybe do a little outdoor riding, maybe um, relax your mind a little bit because that's – I know that's uh, – kind of a huge deal when you're leading the championship and you're mm-hmm. trying to to race but also defend um but i've i've had to kind of deal with that for the last two years so um this year it's more of a a race by race scenario and mm-hmm. i mean my goal is to have the championship uh red plate like as early as possible like i i uh i feel like we're in a good position and um, I feel like I'm ready for that challenge because I've not been very happy with how I've dealt with it the last two years. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's it's a big deal. And uh, I think the break during uh, the West Coast Supercross, I think it's beneficial in a couple different ways. Um, I think it, it makes the year longer, but it uh, also spreads it out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, with, and that helps with outdoors and uh for me personally i think it's going to help us a lot this year just to get ready for outdoors and to have our bike really dialed in because i i want to have a big year in outdoors too Mm -hmm. i think we talked about this at straight rhythm but uh number 12 got the big permanent number how'd you choose it or i mean was just the lowest one available and you chose that or was it uh do you like that digit um well now that I have it, I really like it. Um, at first, I was kind of set on 24, mm-hmm. mainly because I thought that was the lowest. Um, I didn't know... Jake was going to retire. Yeah, I didn't know Jake was going to retire, and I didn't really know um, Aaron was going to change numbers, but I, I don't really know that I care for 23 at all. But, um, yeah, it's it just one of those things. Like, I was set on 24, and then I got word that 12 was open, and I'm like... I, well, I, I don't know what to do. And I, so I texted my mechanic. I was like, hey, what number should I take? <laughs> and he was like, the lower the better. The, the lower the better. And yeah. I'm like, all right, 12 it is. And uh, so, I mean, that's kind of how I decided. But now that I have it, I'm like, dude, I really like this. Like, it's, <laughs> I mean, uh, it's worked out good. I, I think it looks good on the bike. I, um, Weimer's wife's company, the 12 and Faye, mm-hmm. I mean, we've, we've got some products from them and I like wearing their stuff and, mm-hmm. uh, they're pumped on it too. So it's, uh, it's pretty cool how it's all worked out. Yeah. Was there any, uh, calling Jake, Hey dude, I'm going to take 12 or nah, he retired. I, right? I, I didn't really think about that. <laughs> I, I, uh, I just took the number and started wearing their stuff. Yeah. yeah. What do you, what do you think, uh, of the permanent semi-permanent numbering system? Like, are you a fan of it? Now that you have a permanent number or like, like, I mean, I, for me, like as a kid, part of the excitement was seeing everybody's new number and, and trying to memorize who is who. Honestly, that is pretty cool. Um, I like how, uh, you do have different numbers, but mm-hmm. then to, to get a, to a point where, I mean, for me, I guess it was about six years before I got to choose a permanent one, but some people do it in like two or three or maybe their first year. So, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, for me, I've, 
my last couple of years of amateur, I was just dancing around numbers just because I didn't really care. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that I have a permanent number, it's like, okay, this is cool. <laughs> like I had one all growing up, up until like, um, I got on big bikes, but, uh, now it's like a, it's like an earned number. It's more of a, like, okay, like this is, this is pretty cool and nobody mm-hmm. else can really have it. So, yeah. um, I think it's pretty cool. I don't really know if I would change it if I, if I could, I mean, uh, my last couple of years amateur, I was 27 and mm-hmm. I liked that quite a bit, but then, uh, Malcolm took that one and I was a little bummed, um, about it mainly because I'd said if I, if I was going to pick one, I would probably pick 27 mm-hmm. just because that was what I ran lately. Yeah. Um, but that was also about three years ago. So, I mean, to me, it's just a number, but now that I have 12, it's like, okay, like let's, let's work with 12. Like I'm, I'm 12 from now on and, uh, let's use it to do whatever we can. Yeah. So are there going to be uh McElrath 12 t-shirts coming out pretty soon? Maybe. I mean, <laughs> I, I've already kind of worked on my logo a little bit and just really just played around with designing stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's exciting because I can do that now. And, uh, it's like, dude, I mean, where, where could this go? What, I mean, I see other top riders have their their own products and stuff, and honestly, I think it's pretty cool. But mm-hmm. I do get a lot of people asking me like, "Hey, where can I get like a shirt of with you on it, or this mm-hmm. and that?" And I'm like, "You really can't." <laughs> so now it's it'll be cool. I mean, not not that I expect to blow up with it, but there are people that would like to have that, and mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. we could do that now. Nice. All right, so. Uh, Doc G had fun with with it on his story on Instagram, mm-hmm. but like yeah. definitively, it's McElrath. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Now, M C E L R A T H. I could see how people would think it was Mick McElrath, yeah. right? Yeah. <clears throat> how do you get Mac out of M C? Um, I'm not really sure. Uh, people have kind of argued with me about that, but. I've I've always kind of compared it to like the the freestyler uh, Drake McElroy. Yeah, like he was. Um, I mean, I never heard it pronounced like McElroy. So, yeah. I uh, I mean, that's how I was raised saying it, like uh-huh. McElrath. I don't know if that has anything to do with like where I'm from or my accent or anything, but mm-hmm. um, th- then there's people that also pronounce it like that and. I mean, there's not many of them, but there are people that pronounce it like that. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's it as far as I know. But yeah, the, I, I don't know if it has something to do with like the letter after the E. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard that scenario a few times, but. Cause yeah. it's not Jeremy McGrath. Yeah. Right. Yeah. McGrath. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> do you correct people when they say it wrong? Not really. No, I, to me, I've, I've heard it. Well, some people know me as Mikel Ross, so. Um, I don't, I don't really correct them just because it doesn't really matter to me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what about like the TV announcers? Did they, did they say it right? Have you corrected them? No, but I, people have told me like, dude, I kept telling so-and-so like you're pronouncing it wrong. Like you, you better start pronouncing <laughs> it right. And, uh, what's the worst butcher you've heard? Is it only the McElrath? Have you heard it pronounced worse? 
Honestly, I, actually, so I, I haven't heard it pronounced worse, but my best friend growing up, his name was Destin, and one year on my Christmas card, like we were, we were I don't know, probably 12, 13 or something, mm -hmm. but on my Christmas card, he spelled my name wrong, and he spelled it McAlarth. Like, he mixed up the A and the R. And that's probably the worst uh, the worst I've seen. But um, normally when people don't know how to pronounce it, they'll just be like, Mech, Mech. Like, they'll stop and I'll just be like, yeah, that's me. Yeah. Like, yeah. But, yeah, uh, yeah I, I don't know which. I mean, sometimes, sometimes the announcers will say it both ways. Mm -hmm. Like, it kind of depends on how fast they say it, I guess. But. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> well, my my whole life, my name's been pronounced wrong. How how would you pronounce my last name? Maeda. Maeda. You Maeda. said Maeda. You said Maeda? right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I hear Miata, Medea. <laughs> I mean. Oh no. Yeah, so my, it's Maeda. 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 Yeah. Okay. Yeah, one time my uh, daughter was, uh, her jersey. She played on the. Powder Puff football game at high school, oh, no. and they spelled it Medea. And she was so mad and yeah. bummed out because you know that's that Tyler Perry comedy. Yeah. Medea yeah. is this. And he's she's. Oh, I'm yeah. not a black lady. Well, uh, R.J. Hampshire was over here last night. Like, yeah. Play for uh, we had like a little game night over here, uh -huh. and he was telling us that on his posters they spelled his name wrong, and so this it's, year it's spelled like Hampshire, like <laughs> Hamp. But then S P H I R E, and uh, I was like, "Really?" He's like, "Yeah, dude. I I don't know what the deal is, but yeah." Hands <laughs> fire this yeah. year. Yeah. That's oh what man. He said. Yeah. Gonna I don't have... know if they fix it yet or yeah, not. But... Might be a collector's item. Though. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, hey man, uh, I really appreciate you catching up with me, and uh, looking forward to seeing. Uh, what the old number twelve Macarath has this weekend in Oakland and. You know, next weekend in San Diego. I'm sure I'll see you at the uh, the Toyota of Escondido Action Sports Supercross Party Thursday. January 31st. January 31st. That's right. So uh, I'll see you there because uh, I'm fortunate enough to be yes, sir. part of that team too. Yeah. So, hey, thanks a lot, Shane. No problem. Thank you. All right. You've been listening to the Swap Moto Live podcast show presented by Ogio and hosted by my dad, Don Mera. Thanks for listening.